Hello again. This is Nick Scratch, host of the Post Meridian Radio Players Podcast. And I'm still stuck here in this limbo world of Irene's basement somewhere near Boston. I honestly don't even know what year it is anymore. So uh, if you do, please send help. Food might be nice too. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's see what's on tap for this week's episode. Ah, uh, yes, of course. It's next episode of Redshift, Interplanetary Do-Gooder. This week's episode is part two of Countdown to Chaos. In part one, Redshift, Interplanetary Do-Gooder, and his mechanic Lumpy answered a distress call, only to discover that it was actually... a trap. The dreaded Lord Draith had lured their ship next to the forbidden planet known simply as Earth. Red and Lumpy escape Draith's trap, but their ship is damaged and begins plummeting to the planet below. On this same planet, the brilliant Dr. Alberts is being interviewed by Penny Parker, girl reporter, when they notice something hurtling through the sky, straight towards them. Can they escape? Well, of course they can, but let's pretend there's some suspense. Here now, heard for the first time since New Year's Eve 2009, is Act 2 of Countdown to Chaos. And now... We continue our story back aboard the Recalcitrant, where Red and Lumpy are feverishly working to keep their rocket ship from speeding head-on into the forbidden planet known as Earth. Come on, Lumpy, you've got to keep our rocket ship from speeding head-on into the forbidden planet known as Earth. And back on Earth itself, Dr. Alberts and Penny Parker look on, horrified, as the disabled ship plummets from the sky and hurtles right towards the Exposition Fountain Sphere. It's hurtling right towards the Exposition Fountain Sphere. Come on, Dr. Alberts, we've got to find cover now. Duck behind this bench. Oh, good thinking. A concrete bench will surely shield us from impact or squash us flat. Either way, I'm ducking and covering, and I suggest you do the same. What happened? Has it stopped? Where was the crash? Uh, I don't know. Let me check. Uh, oh, my. There was no crash, Miss Parker. Uh, that spaceship has indeed stopped. Right in front of the fountains there. But it was traveling so quickly just a moment ago. How can that be? And inside of the ship, Lumpy is asking roughly the same question. Holy Ackerman, Red! We were about to smash into that huge, watery thing, uh, but we didn't. What happened? <laughs> uh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, old chum. I can pretend like I do. Remember when you said there wasn't enough energy to fuel our retro rockets? Uh-huh. Well, they weren't completely dead. Oh. Check the DeCello tape and see. Well, I'll be asphyxiated. The rockets were firing all along, just not at full power. The rockets slowed us down just enough to keep us from completely burning up while we entered the atmosphere. The heat we generated was converted into steam, which in turn powered up the atomic hyperdecelerator. And when the atomic hyperdecelerator began to atomically hyperdecelerate... It was a cinch to ghost us to a nice, easy stop. You know, I was on the bridge with you the entire time, yet I completely failed to notice any of that. Thanks for helpfully describing it to me. Anytime, pal of mine. Ah, good. Sensors indicate the planet is inhabited by bipedal humanoids who look amazingly just like us. Uh, the chronometer says their current time is just nearly the midpoint of the 30th day of the 8th month of the year 1939. 
Additionally, our sensors indicate the atmosphere is safe for us to breathe. And I bet we'll have no problem with the language either. Uh, we never do. <laughs> now let's open the hatch and make some contact. Now, remember, Lumpy, when it comes to greeting new life and new civilizations, first impressions are everything. <clears throat> People of Earth! Hello. Uh, sorry we didn't request proper clearance to land, but we couldn't pick up your space traffic controllers. And besides, we were in a bit of a hurry. Listen, we've just warped into your solar system. We've been hurled at your planet by a very vicious villain. Our engines are out and our stabilizers are in need of serious repair. Uh, anybody got a spare astronubaric solar decompositor? Anybody? There's nobody here, Red. Attention, fairgoers. Do not forget to cast your vote for Miss Middle Management 1939 in the Corporate Achievements Pavilion. The ceremony will take place tomorrow evening at 9 p.m. While our sudden landing may have startled everybody into hiding, it appears we are still being observed by a form of artificial intelligence. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, this is Red Shift from the Intergalactic House of Truth, Freedom, and Peace. I'm seeking retroactive permission to land here on your planet. Over. Also, will our guest, Mr. Godot, please report to the engineering tree at the front gate. Mr. Godot, please report to the engineering tree. Your companions are waiting for you. That is all. I'm getting the feeling she didn't want to talk. Well, that's the coldest reception we've had since Frigidonia. No matter. I'll go search for the transportation authority while you work on repairs to the ship. Oh, the damage looks worse than I thought. What hyper-advanced technological material do you think you'll need to fix the engines? Let me see. A chunk of uranium, some vulcanized rubber, and a few vacuum tubes ought to do it. <laughs> Highly unlikely you'll find all that on this primitive planet. <laughs> you'll probably need to improvise with sticks. Uh, don't worry, I'll find a fix. I always do. Uh, you haven't let me down yet, my resourceful friend. <laughs> oh, well, you've got the camera, honey. Go ahead and ask him. Oh, Mr. Spaceman. <laughs> May we get a picture of you with our children? A picture? Well, all right, we'll just have to make it quick. No, we want the pudgy one. Yeah, the pudgy one. The pudgy one? Oh, I uh, guess that's me. All right, gather around. Yay! Now, it'll just be a little sec while I put in a new roll of film. I want to use the brownie. No, I want to use the brownie. Now, kids, what did Mother tell you? That camera is a delicate and sophisticated piece of equipment for grown-ups only. Oh! Keep still, all of you. This isn't a moving picture camera. It's not? But you said it was sophisticated. Set us back 450, future boy. I say that's sophisticated enough. Oh, you betcha. Uh, pardon me, Earth Clan patriarch. What are the local transportation protocols? I seek retroactive permission to land. What? Oh, uh, you gotta talk to the uh, space parking attendant. <laughs> I see. And where may I find this authority? Oh, geez, I'm kidding, pal. Geez, when you get on that uh, spaceman kick, you stay on it, don't you? Well, my kids just eat this stuff up. And they're getting along great with your uh, friend there. Uh, do they normally climb all over people like this? No, they're just full up. Pep in energy. They had a super breakfast this morning. Sure did. <laughs> All right, Mr. Beesman. I'm going to be a cowboy from space, okay? I want to be the queen of Venus. And you're going to be a Martian, okay? I've never met one. What are they like? I want to be the queen of Venus. And we're going to have a big space battle, okay? Queen of Venus. Queen of Venus. Not a bitchy 
little girl, give me back my blaster. Or you could just blow up. Hand it over now. It's fully charged. Bits Red. Bitsy, give the nice spaceman back his cosmic ray gun. Oh. And Walter, now what have I told you about calling your sister names? Well, actually, young man, since you instigated this, your apology should come first. Now, kindly step off my mechanic's shoulders. We must be off to repair our ship. That's right, kids. We better let the spaceman fix their rocket ship. They'll need to move it before midnight. Midnight? What happens at midnight? Attention, fairgoers. The exposition will remain open this evening until midnight when we will ring in a new era of technological superiority. Be sure to watch the 20-ton electromagnetic hammer cube of progress descend in front of the exposition fountain sphere. That is all. That automated exposition voice is remarkably astute. Uh, the 20-ton electromagnetic hammer cube of progress, huh? I wonder if she means that giant cube-like weight that's dangling precariously above us at a height of around 200 feet. Oh, the exposition guide says 250 feet. That's right, you. Sounds like it to me, Red. And that means the giant X painted on the ground right here isn't just for decoration. Oh, oh no, the cube is hanging from the automated exposition clock tower. It runs the entire fair schedule. No human intervention necessary. When, when that clock hits midnight, that cube is gonna drop and hit the ground right here. Sounds dangerous, but what does it prove? Aye, it proves that with human ingenuity and just a little elbow grease, we can not only lift a 20-ton weight, we can drop it as well. Right. Seems to me that gravity is responsible for the second part. Uh, let's argue philosophy later, old chum. According to that clock, we've just got over mm, 12 hours before the cube drops. That should be more than enough time to... Uh, leaping leptons, Red! Look up at the sky! We got two bogeys incoming and fast! Those look like two straight pusher robots. Well, they must have missed us the first time, and they're coming back to finish the job. No worries, Lumpy. I'll stop them with my trusty blaster. Ooh, nice shooting, Red. Thanks, old chum. That's one down, and now for the other. Oh, Pratt's only winged it. Well, at least you diverted its course. Oh, right onto the big head of that large clock. It's spinning the big clock arm around and around. Hammer cube of progress will descend in six hours. Didn't you say that was supposed to happen at midnight? The hammer cube of progress will descend in five hours. The hammer cube of progress will descend in two hours. Great Scott, Red! The pusher robot is advancing the clock! The hammer cube of progress will descend in 30 minutes. I must stop this time acceleration. Only one shot left. I'll have to make it count. Got it! Uh, just in time, too. Looks like we nipped that problem in the bud. The hammer cube of progress will descend in ten minutes. Ah, uh, Pratt's. Make your way to the exposition fountain sphere. Please stay clear of the blast radius. That is all. Ah, uh, come on, honey. Let's go find a swell viewing spot from very, very far away. So long, fellas. Now, kids, what do you say to the nice spacemen? Thank you, Mr. Spaceman! And here's two nickels for entertaining the children. We'd give you a quarter, but you didn't do the dance number. Uh, thanks? Take care now. Ooh, and uh, good luck moving that uh, heap of yours in time. Well, you can at least offer to help. Sheesh. We'll have to split up. I'll visit the official-looking buildings on the east perimeter while you check out those triangular-shaped edifices to the northwest. 
Well, what do you think these small metallic nickel disks are for? Judging from what the woman said, it appears that this planet's economy runs on a primitive form of barter involving song and dance. I'll keep that in mind. I'll meet you back here when I've got my stuff. Roger that, and be careful. Okay, Dr. Alberts, everybody's gone. Now's our chance to investigate that ship. Oh, uh, I'm afraid you'll be sorely disappointed if you do, Miss Parker. Uh, here, uh, take a closer look at the program of today's event. 11.30, celebration of man's eventual conquering of space, featuring an exciting rocket ship display in front of the fountain sphere. See? What we witnessed was merely a show. Choreography by Busby Berkeley. One genuine artificial show, just like everything else at this fraudulent fair. I don't know, Doc. If what we just saw was a show, it wasn't very good. Uh. They didn't even do the dance number. <laughs> didn't you hear those two men talking about uranium? And did you catch those crazy space guns? I've got a funny feeling there's more to this rocket ship than meets the eye. And I'm going to investigate. Let's go. Uh, this whole enterprise is ludicrous. I shall not be party to trespassing, and neither should you. That's a load of bunk, Doc. Take a look at this press card of mine. See what it says? It says, investigative reporter. And what do you think that means I do? It uh, means you report. Crumbs! I report, that's right. But first, I investigate. Huh. And the city is a much safer place for it. There's a whole mess of bad guys in the slammer, thanks to my snooping. Now, I'm not saying there's a criminal mastermind involved with this spaceship, but I do know there's a story behind it. A story that the people have a right to know. And if you think I'm going to just walk away from a story, Dr. Alberts, then you've got another think coming. Now, will you join me or not? I'd sooner kiss a Bunsen burner than examine somebody's fake rocket, thank you very much. I'll buy you a pretzel when we're done. So let us go forth and investigate this mysterious starship, Miss Parker. And if we look close enough, uh, we may be able to see the wires upon which it flew. <laughs> well, now, we better make sure not to close the hatch behind us. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get trapped inside this... this incredibly detailed and amazingly lifelike rocket ship. Holy cats. This can't be a joke. It's 100% bona fide. Us. Astounding! Inconceivable! I wonder where the engine room is. Wait, Dr. Alberts, you can't go off alone like that. Oh, don't worry about me, dear. I'm a professional scientist. Uh, scientific investigation is my job. I know what I'm doing. I'm all right. But, Dr. Alberts... Oh, crumbs. If he's going to do his job, I might as well do mine. The main entryway is a round, curving hallway made out of riveted sheets of, uh... What is that color? I can't quite name it. I'll look it up later. Riveted sheets of a vaguely purplish metal. Look it up later. Below the walkway grating are pipes and wires of all shapes and colors, and the occasional blue light for dramatic effect. Uh, uh, Miss Parker, uh, uh, come to the engine room doorway. You must see this at once. What have you found, Doc? Oh, something quite impressive. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Stay behind this glass partition. It's atomic. What's atomic? Uh, this engine. Why, it's a Hyperion drive. 
The ship is powered by an atomic engine Dr. Alberts calls a Hyperion Good drive. heavens, what are you doing? No, 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 don't bother taking notes. Just doing my job. Oh, this is strictly off the record. No one else must know about this, do you hear me? No one. I won't tell you anything else if you keep scribbling away like that. Fine, Doc. Pencil's broken. I won't take a single note from here on out. Oh, good. I will warn you, though, I have an excellent memory. I'm sure. Now, this engine, Miss Parker, this engine is a Hyperion drive. It is an engine capable of collecting mass quantities of ions and smashing them into each other to form larger, more powerful atomic particles. These so-called hyper-ions are then bombarded with high-speed deuterons, which causes them to expend energy at a rate almost uncalculable by modern methods. Now, normally, this expenditure would result in a most catastrophic explosion, but, uh, and this is where the science happens, they are contained and controlled by, yes, atomic supermagnets. And when these atomic supermagnets control the energy of the... You look bored. Uh, am I going too fast for you? The Hyperion Drive is an engine capable of collecting mass quantities of ions and smashing them into each all other. All right, to all right. You've got quite a memory on you. <laughs> Good for you. I'll continue. And I'd rather you cut to the chase, Doc. What does it all mean? Mean? Why, it means that this ship can go really fast. In theory, at least. Uh, you see, Miss Parker, the reason why we at the Research Institute have not brought anything to the fair this year is because we have devoted all our time and effort to work on just such a device. But we haven't even finished the initial calculations. So the existence of a fully realized Hyperion drive can mean only one thing. What's that? It's from another planet. You can't be serious. Either that or someone has been stealing our ideas again. Confounded, I bet it's that strange-looking intern in the vector analysis department. No, wait. I think you're on to something huh? here. I mean, look at the walls. I can't figure out what color the walls are. It's a color we've never seen before. This ship is clearly not of this Earth. I must be getting old. My ears are ringing. Holy cats, those spacemen are coming back. Uh, quick, Miss Parker. I'll hide behind that bulkhead. You take the other one. I've made it inside, Lumpy. Now raise the ramp before they reach us. <laughs> ramp raised, Brad. We're safe inside, but they've surrounded the ship. Activate the outside audio monitor, Lumpy. Perhaps we can reason with them. Stop! Stop in the name of the law! Officer, that pudgy man stole two dollars worth of souvenirs. Oh, I know. He's in a heap of trouble already. He and his pal knocked over three newsreel cameras. And he took some extremely radioactive samples from my laboratory display. Please, gentlemen, bring that back before you mutate. I want my two dollars. Open up! Open up in there! Two dollars! On second thought, perhaps they're beyond reason. Uh, I'll try excuse B12, Red. Uh, sorry guys, we can't come back out. Our hatch appears to be stuck. Stuck, you say? A likely story. Fellows, please accompany me back to my laboratory where we shall fetch radio blowtorches and cut our way into their hiding spot. Can I have a blowtorch? Most certainly. Yes. Uh, we'll be out of here before they return. Thanks for the save back there, Lumpy. <laughs> well, when I saw those guys aiming all those strange tripod things at you, I knew I had to rush in and execute Plan Omega. Ah, good old Plan Omega. Works every time. Did you get all the supplies you need? You'll never believe it, but I did. And get this. The uranium, vulcanized rubber, and vacuum tubes were all in the same building. 
Who was I ever amazed? Did you know they have buildings devoted entirely to science on this planet? Yeah, I saw one across the way that claimed to have industry in it as well. All right, let's see. Bridge access panel 27B stroke 6. Ah, here it is. So, uh, who are those humanoids running after you? Oh, well, that's a funny story. See, I'd picked up the materials and paid for them by singing one of my favorite songs. Oh, I've got a gal on Calamaz too? No, no, the other one. Oh. Listen, Red. Even after I'd finished the song and taken a bow, that sales lady and the blue-suited guy took off after me. Perhaps they wanted an encore. Jumping Jim Neutron's red, they were steaming mad. I wasn't going to stick around to give them one. Point well taken, my fugitive friend. So, how much longer do we have? Attention, fairgoers. The Hammer Cube of Progress will descend in five minutes. Dang, she's good. And now, some words on the world of tomorrow from a voter the world's first synthesized Toastmaster. Ever since the dawn of time, mankind has been constantly marching forward after learning to walk on two feet. Progress is an inevitable byproduct of the human condition. And even when humanity stumbled backwards, progress was there. For what is a step backwards, if not an opportunity to look forwards from a better vantage point? Just a few more repairs to go, Red. Oh, thank God. With the discovery of fire, our scientific horizons broadened and broadened, and then man discovered invention! And with it, a host of new tools which hastened the inevitable surge forward. The wheel, which enabled transport. The lever, which enabled the multiplication of force. The fulcrum, which enabled the lever to work. Who's writing this? There, that's done. Everything's patched up. We should be back to normal. This is going to take crackerjack timing, Lumpy. I'll fire up the engines while you perform the routine systems check, and then we'll blast off out of here. And now, mankind finds itself poised on the brink of tomorrow. Let us peer over the brink and gaze upon the astonishing wonders which will soon seem as everyday to us as the icebox and the phonograph record. For tomorrow, my friends, tomorrow is where our future lies. Let the hammer cube fall. The hammer cube of progress will descend in 20 seconds. 19, 18. All systems go, Red. The sooner we leave this crazy planet, the better. Wait, Miss Parker, did the tall one just say blast off? He did. 12, 11. Countdown to launch in 10. 10. And did that pudgy one say leave this crazy planet? Most certainly did. Then I suggest you grab onto as much of that bulkhead as you can, Miss Parker. Because we're about to blast off and leave this crazy planet with them. One, atmospheric thrusters are go. Full power to the thrusters, Lumpy, and don't look back. Welcome, mankind, to a new age of technological achievement. 
The hammer cube has fallen. You can purchase your own piece of the smashed hammer cube by visiting the Hall of Souvenirs, conveniently located between the exit gates and the parking lot. Thank you for visiting the exposition and have a nice future. We did it, Red. We narrowly escaped the falling hammer cube. Excellent. Now we can go after Drath and bring him to justice. Lumpy, set coordinates for space. Space it is. Coordinates set, Red. Hyperion drive charged. Oh, this is it, Miss Parker. Farewell, Earth. I'll be sure to write. At Astra. What will happen to our Earth-bound friends now that they're not quite so Earth-bound anymore? How will Red and Lumpy react to these stowaways? And what amazing adventures will they have together? These and other questions will be answered in upcoming episodes of Red Shift, Interplanetary Do-Gooder, where you may also hear someone say... The whole station is overrun by Mandorfian battle cows! Or... I can't leave, Lumpy. The tentacle people have crowned me their king. Or... Oh, they won't miss me at the Research Institute. I've got my clone Leon covering for me today. <laughs> Tune in next week at this same time for another exciting episode of Redshift Interplanetary Do-Gooder. Brought to you, as always, by sugar-infused triple-grain Cosmo Flakes, the breakfast of humanoids. Now available in blue. Blue's not a flavor! Stay tuned for a torrid tale of terror from Arch Obler, presented after this brief intermission. Join me in two weeks for the premiere episode of our brand new serial, The Madman's Guild by Isaiah Plovnik. Trust me, you've never heard anything like it. If you like what you hear, you can check out more about the PMRP at their website, www.pmrp.org, or their new Bandcamp store, pmrp.bandcamp.com. This is Nick Scratch signing off, and I hope to see you around the dial. This has been a production of the Post Meridian Radio Plays, copyright 2023. All rights reserved. For more information about our group, please visit www.pmrp.org.